0: Hello and welcome back to the What The Fab podcast episode number 45. Today's episode is a Cliff Note series. (laughs) I'm super excited. I haven't done one of these episodes in a hot minute. So if you're not familiar with this series, it's where I read a book, usually one that has some really great life hacks, tips and tricks, life advice, and I distill it down into a podcast episode. So my goal with these is I know people are so busy and sometimes it can feel overwhelming to be like, I'm going to read a book a month. Well, you don't have to. You can listen to this podcast episode and get all the juicy tidbits from it. And then if you love the episode, you know, obviously I can't cover the entire book in an hour long episode. So I will definitely link to the book in the show notes. And today's episode is the Cliff Notes of Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday is kind of like a modern day philosopher. And he also has written the book, The Daily Stoic, which you've probably seen on my Instagram stories. And it's basically a page a book day. It's not even a full page. Usually it's like a paragraph, maybe two or three, where he takes a quote from the ancient Stoics and does a little blurb, you know, a little application of how that can apply to your daily life. And it's all about wisdom from these ancient Stoics on how to lead a better life and not let your emotions get the best of you. You know, each month has different themes. So like, I think one of them is acceptance. So it's a great way to start your day. I, It's part of my daily morning routine, and I really enjoy it. And this book, Stillness is the Key, is all about you guessed it, stillness, and how it is the key to a happy and successful life. If you want to take a listen to some of the other Cliff Notes episodes that I've done, the first one was way back when in episode five, this was my very first one. I did it for Atomic Habits, which is a great book by James Clear and He has a lot of really great advice on habit stacking and how to create systems and processes to make sure that your habits are fail-proof, but I just felt like a lot of the examples that he gave, I mean, he's a dude, so it was a lot of, like, baseball examples, so I was like, let me take the learnings and, like, my best, my favorite tips from this book and then apply it to my own life and kind of share my own thoughts and reflections, you know, from my perspective. So that episode was a big hit, and then I did it again. I did the Cliff Notes for a book called The Big Leap, and that was episode number 22. It's all about moving past your upper limiting beliefs. That's all I'll say about that, but it's another good one. You can listen to those as well. Before we dive into the Cliff Notes of Stillness is the Key, if you are not subscribed yet, please take a second to go ahead and hit subscribe, whether you're listening through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, because we are doing these episodes weekly. And then if you haven't taken a second to rate and review the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could do that. You can do that on Spotify now too these days, but Apple Podcasts is where I've really been asking for reviews if you listen on other platforms and can review there too. That is amazing. All right, let's get into this episode. I thought it would be a good follow-up episode because number 44 was me just kind of talking about burnout and being in a funk and kind of getting out of that. And I remembered that I had read this book. I started reading it in December and I recently finished it. it kind of took me a while to finish. It's not that long. I just, I don't know, I had picked up a few other books along the way that I got more into, but I had finished it. And when I sat down to read this book, I did it with the intention of of making a Cliff Notes version podcast episode for it. So I really like dog-eared the crap out of it, highlighted it a bunch. And like I said, after I recorded the episode for last week all about burnout, I realized that this would be a really good follow-up episode because it touches so much on some of the topics that I was chatting about in that episode on burnout. I think that stillness and being still and quiet and tuning into your own intuition is like one of the most undervalued things in our society that is always on. So let's dive into this book. So in the introduction, Ryan Holiday starts talking about Whether you were a pupil of Confucius in 500 BC, a student of early Greek philosophers a 100 years later, whether you were studying Buddhism, you would have heard teachings that all call for tranquility in English. And he goes through a bunch of different words for it in Hebrew, Islam, lots of other different languages and dialects, but in English, it's stillness. To be steady while the world spins around you to act without frenzy. And today, whether you're studying... Stoicism, Christianity, Hinduism, they all call for inner peace or stillness, and it's viewed as the highest good and the key to a happy life. So basically, when all of the wisdom of the ancient world agrees on something, you should probably listen. So he goes on to talk about how our modern world is chaotic our personal and professional problems are so overwhelming like i said in episode 44 about burnout i was so shocked that 100% of people responded to my story poll saying that they were feeling burnout and overwhelmed and it's just like our to-do lists get longer and longer our desks pile up our inboxes freaking overfloweth my inbox is a cluster and we're always reachable through pings and dings which means that arguments stressful updates or texts are never far away. And that grind of work just never seems to stop. We're overstimulated, we're overscheduled, and somehow in some ways still lonely. And with stillness, like I mentioned, I think it's one of the most undervalued things in our society. But it's also like Who has the time to stop and think and be still and quiet? And hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll see why it's important to make time to do that, and it's essential. Some might even say the key. (laughs) So even in our modern day with so much overwhelm and notifications, history has also showed us that the ability to create and cultivate quiet and to understand our emotions has It's always been hard, even before cell phones and laptops. Blaise Pascal in 1654 said that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So this is something that's been talked about for centuries. Holliday goes on to say that just like in evolution where distinct species of birds or bats that are in different geographies often develop these similar adaptations even though they're hundreds or thousands of miles apart they develop similar adaptations to survive and the same goes for these different schools of thought and philosophical schools that were separated by huge oceans and geographies and even time. They took different paths but they all came to the same critical destination that stillness is required to be the master of your own life. And stillness is what inspires new ideas. It sharpens perspective. As Ryan Holiday says, I really like this analogy, it slows the ball down so we can hit it. It helps generate your vision. It's the key to thinking clearly, to seeing the big picture, making those tough decisions, managing your emotions, identifying the right goals, right? Like what's the point of striving after these goals if you realize actually I don't even (laughs) want this thing? Handling high-pressure situations, being productive, feeling fulfilled, like the list goes on and on. And you have tasted stillness before. You have felt it in your soul and you probably want and need more of it. So Holiday's book is really about how to uncover and access the stillness that we already possess because in our always-on world, we do have to be intentional about it. It's like a muscle that's atrophied in our busy modern lives and accessing it isn't easy so let's you and i do a quick exercise right now close your eyes unless you're driving right now then don't do that but just think about it so think about what are some of the best moments and memories in your life if that prompt feels overwhelming to you and you can't narrow it down. Maybe think about your favorite memories or moments over the past few years. What immediately comes to mind for me is swimming with dolphins in Maui. We came across a pod of dolphins and swam with them for like a half an hour. And This one night in Santorini when we were coming back from dinner in this little bay and the only way to get back to the hotel was take this tiny little boat. It was like a very small little thing with a little motor in the back and the stars were shining. The moon was so beautiful. The water was like glass and Santorini was lit up on the cliffside to the right of us and it just felt so magical and surreal. So think about what what your favorite moments were over the last few years or your life or whatever you want. And you'll probably realize that you were present for all of them. You were present. You were maybe still. I was very still when I was (laughs) when I was sitting on that boat, just soaking everything in. Not so still when I was with the dolphins, though. I was kicking my ass off just to keep up with them. But I was for sure present. I wasn't thinking about Anything else that was the only thing that I was focused on, and I remember it so clearly and vividly. So, just a little exercise to kind of remind you of how important that presence and stillness is. So, Holiday says that to achieve stillness, we need to focus on three areas or domains, and they are the mind, soul, and body. So let's start with the mind. Holiday uses a lot of historical figures and situations as examples in his book, and I'm not gonna go into all of them because. Quite frankly, I found some of them a little bit boring, but I will pull out a few that I thought were a little bit more interesting. And so for this first section, he starts with Kennedy dealing with the Cuban Missile Crisis and how he was under enormous pressure to make a decision on what to do, but he was able to navigate it with stillness. He took his time, he was present and reflective. Being present is something that demands all of us, like our entirety, and it might be the hardest thing in the world to do. But think about it, how often and for how long are you truly present? So that means not thinking about the past or the future, just focused on the here and the now. And the less energy we waste regretting the past or worrying about the future, the more energy we have for what's in front of us right now. My friend Renee, who has been on the What The Fab podcast, I believe she was episode 33, she recently shared a term with me that made me oh, lol, laugh out loud. She calls this future fucking, where you're like obsessing about the future, worrying about it, causing and creating all this anxiety in your mind. What if this happens? What if that happens? So no future fucking, or at least trying to cut down on that. And it also makes me think about the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if I'm going to do a Cliff Notes version of that book. It is pretty like, it's pretty difficult to grasp some of the chapters that he goes into. There were several chapters where I was like, what did I just read? Like, I really did not understand that. It really went over my head. But there was a part where he talks about this idea of being present and how we really aren't present for very often or very frequently. And one thing that he mentioned, when you find yourself future fucking or regretting the past or worrying about the past, is to ask yourself the question what problem do I have? right now and i've been using that and putting that into practice and it's really been helping me because so far the answer is nothing like i right now in this instant i really don't have a problem like things are actually fine so that is a good way to kind of pull yourself back to reality and the present kind of ground yourself so holiday goes on so how do we help our minds be more present the first thing is to limit our inputs we have information overload. There is way too much coming at us 24-7 if we just let it. So we have to figure out how to separate the inessential from the essential and kind of guard ourselves from it, like actively guard ourselves, which is not easy in our modern world. So let's take news consumption as an example. I personally... Really don't read the news very much anymore. You might think that sounds aw- awful. I was going to say awesome. It is kind of awesome. You might think that sounds awful. And it's not that I'm sticking my head in the sand. It's that if I am reading the news, it's because I am seeking out the information. Like I want an update on what is going on with the war in Ukraine, not I'm getting notifications in the middle of my workday alerting me about all the things and what's going on in the news. So, does that mean that sometimes I look dumb in front of people? Because because I don't know about some current event that just happened that day or the day before. Yeah, sometimes that's happened, especially with my family, because my parents are retired, and they spend a lot of time reading the news. And sometimes they're like, you didn't know XYZ, you didn't hear about this person. I'm like, you know what, I'm running a business here, and I just don't have the time to consume the news, like hours on end, every single day, and I actually had to turn off my news notifications on my phone for my mental health the last couple of years, and I made that intentional decision when we were in lockdown, and after years of receiving notifications about Trump's latest tweets and then adding in notifications about daily COVID case rates, it was just too much. So now I am starting to get a little bit more back into it by actually listening to the weekly podcast from The Skim, which has been great because, I was finding that even their emails, like reading them every day, I was like, I appreciate all the work that they do, putting that into one condensed email every single morning. But I was like, I just don't feel the need to read this every day. But they do have a few different podcasts. One is like pop culture, one is just news in general, and they're great. So I listen to that weekly and just kind of like keep up on like current events and and things that way. But it's not like this information overload. And it's like I, you know, go to the app, pull up the podcast and listen to it. It's not like notifications that are constantly popping up on my phone because it's very difficult to think or act clearly, let alone be happy when we are drowning in information. And we're really not meant to have this 24 seven flood of information and notifications, but we allow this to happen to ourselves. And in some cases we do it to ourselves. And I think it can be hard because then there's this, there's also the feeling of FOMO, like you don't wanna miss out. So for example, I'm on a Slack channel with all the girls in Babes That Wander. And so there's six of us and I love them doing and I love having all of us on slack together because it really makes it feel like you're not alone as an entrepreneur it can definitely get kind of lonely sometimes you're just like working by yourself so I love that but sometimes a conversation can just like go off and it might not be something that is super relevant for me or I'm very interested in so for example there were a bunch of messages the other day about the Instagram algorithm you know Bloggers, content creators were always complaining about the algorithm because it can really screw us over sometimes and it's very, very frustrating. And so I'm like, okay, I there's like 80 unread messages here about the Instagram algorithm and I don't feel like I really need to read this right now, especially because I'm actually trying to focus more on my website and traffic there so that I don't have to worry about the algorithm as much. And so I had this kind of feeling of, oh, but what if there's something important in there in those 80 unread messages? What if somebody asked me a question? Like, what if, what if, what if I should read it and get caught up? And I was like, you know what? I really don't need to be doing this. Like, if it's important, the the important stuff will be bumped back up to you or it'll still be important by the time you do get to it, and it's also going to be clear how insignificant the unimportant stuff is when it fades into the background eventually. Marcus Aurelius says, ask yourself at every moment, is this necessary? Our job is to filter and recognize what's not worth our energy to think about or to do. So for me, that means my phone is always on, do not disturb. I hate getting vibrations or God forbid, like actual dings on my phone. (laughs) It's just not for me. Somebody called me the other day and I was like, how dare you? (laughs) It was an account manager for a campaign and she called me on my cell phone before 9am and I was like, please don't, like, do not. Anyways, so doing some kind of digital detox, which I've talked about on the podcast before, no sell Sundays. It means filtering out people who are selfish or cause drama. It means having boundaries with my emails. Sometimes I open up my inbox and I'm like, oh, look, like, like a bunch of people that want something from me and it's just overwhelming and I think it's important to, yeah, to have boundaries around that. So for example, I... I had this long-term campaign that I was working on and the account manager, I don't know what her deal was, but she would set deadlines for me that did not take my schedule into account at all. She would be like, please send me this draft by Thursday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And I'm like, first of all, what fucking time is Mountain Time in Pacific Time? Like, you're really gonna make me pull out a time converter, you know, Google a time converter tool and figure out what time that is? Like, just say end of day so I don't have to fuck with this. And second of all, I'm traveling this week. So like, no, that doesn't work to give me a 48 hour turnaround. So I eventually had to like, really lay down the law and be like, look, no, we're not doing this. Like when you set a deadline like that, you're not taking my schedule into account. And also, I need more flexibility in my day. I can't have timeline where I have to submit by a specific time of I truly don't know what 11am mountain time is like, is it 10am Pacific? I really don't know. Like, That's just not how my day works or my schedule works. So, going forward, let's agree on deadlines together. And any of those deadlines are going to be end of day. So, at first, she pushed back on that. And I was like, "Mm, Look, you can tell me that that's the deadline. But in my mind, it's end of day. Like, that's just how it is. And then she started trying to be like, The next deadline, she was like, end of day, 5 p.m. Mountain time. I'm like, No. end of day means 11 59 p.m pacific time like you'll have it in your inbox before the next day before the next workday starts anyways going off on a tangent here but pushing back and having boundaries is super important and thinking about what works with your schedule with limiting notifications it might offend some people like my sister kind of half jokingly says that she's offended that my phone is always on do not disturb but you know what they will get over it and you have to manage these and filter these things because otherwise it will take over your freaking life so here's a quote from the book that I really loved all this noise all this information all these inputs we're afraid of the silence we're afraid of looking Stupid. We're afraid of missing out or afraid of being the bad guy who says, nope, not interested. We'd rather make ourselves miserable than make ourselves a priority, than be our best selves, than be still and in charge of our own information diet. Boom. That really hit. So, yeah, great quote from the book. This episode is brought to you by Hit School. Okay, so Hit School didn't pay for a sponsorship on my podcast, but they just launched a great referral program that I had to share with you because. They're my go-to for my at-home workout routine. And some of my readers have been asking how I've been staying fit during COVID. This is it. I've been working out with Hit School for four years now. The first few years were actually in-person with the trainers when I was at Google because they did a lot of corporate workout programs. And last year at the start of this pandemic, they created a virtual program. So you work out with them over Google Hangouts in a small group setting and the workouts kick your butt. I am always so sore afterwards All you need are a pair of dumbbells and you're good to go. Your trainer gives you personalized feedback because they see you on camera, so they make sure your form is on point and they nicely call you out if you're slacking off, which I definitely need because it really pushes me. And the other thing is the accountability factor. If I am paying for these classes and my trainer knows if I show up or not, I do not miss a class versus if I tell myself, okay, yeah, I'm going to do a YouTube workout video on my own later today. Half the time I end up skipping. Okay, so here's the pricing breakdown. One semester is eight weeks long and costs $270. But if I refer you, you get 50 bucks off bringing it to 220. Now you get two classes a week with your trainer, so that's 16 classes, but then they also give you access to all of these other additional live classes throughout the week. So personally, I do an abs and butt class with them, I do a strength training class, and then my regular two days a week with my trainer. So that's 32 classes that I'm taking advantage of in a semester, and if you wanted to do even more, you could. But let's just say you're doing four workouts a week, like me, that comes out to less than seven a class. That is a freaking steal. Oh, you should also know that anyone else in your household can join you for your workouts for free. They don't have to pay for their own membership. So Omid works out with me for all of the workout classes. It's so much fun to have a workout buddy. And if you do the math between the two of us, I mean, it is just such a good deal. When I think about what I used to pay for Barry's classes, they're like $30 a class. Like, my God. Anyways, if you want to sign up with Hit School and kick off your new year right, shoot me an email so I can refer you and you'll get $50 off. Full transparency, I get $50 off too, so it's a win-win for both of us. Email me at elise, E-L-I-S-E, at whatthefab.com use HIT School in the subject line, and I will help you get all signed up. Maybe we'll even work out together. If you want to take a look at their website to learn more about the program, it's hitschool.com. HIT is spelled H-I-I-T because it stands for high intensity interval training. So it's hitschool.com. And don't forget to shoot me an email so you can get that 50 bucks off. All right, let's get back to the show. So then he starts getting into chapters that each kind of support whatever domain we're looking at. So right now we're looking at the mind and the next chapter is about journaling. There are so many benefits to journaling. I've talked about it before on the podcast many, many times. It can help you prepare for the day ahead or reflect on the day that has passed. It helps slow the mind. You can ask yourself tough questions. Where am I standing in my own way? What's the smallest step I can take towards a big thing today. Why am I so worked up about this? What am I grateful for? Why do I care so much about this, about impressing other people? Putting your own thinking down on paper lets you see it from a distance and it gives you objectivity that you normally can't access when you're heated up about something, when you're thinking about something with anxiety or frustration. And for me, I've been doing journaling for years now. And believe me, if you think like, oh, I could never do that. It's just not for me. I get it because that was me. I am you. (laughs) I used to think like, there is no way I could journal like how boring what would I even write about? Now that I've been doing it for a few years, my day feels off if I don't start it with journaling. It's just a few minutes of reflection, and it forces that stillness. So, and I've mentioned this on the podcast as well, but I've also incorporated a practice where I will now look back on that journal entry from exactly a year ago that day, and you guys, you will not believe like the clarity and confirmation and just like lessons that I get from that. There are so many times where I was worried about something happened that I was upset about, and then now, even just one year later, it's like, not a big deal, or it ended up working out great, or I can't even remember exactly what it was that I was so worked up about. So it's just really great for reflection and looking back on. There's no right or wrong way to do it. You just have to start. And if you're looking for journal prompts, I'll link the Daily Stoic journal version in the show notes. So that is something that I believe it gives you like, one or two daily prompts that you can roll with. The next thing we need to do is cultivate silence. If we want to think better, have more revelations or insights or big ideas, we have to create room for them, which means stepping away from the comfort of all the noisy distractions and starting to listen. There was a study done on how senior execs at major corporations recharged during their downtime, and it was through activities like sailing, cycling, hiking, scuba diving, fly fishing, listening to classical music, and what they noticed was that all of these activities had one thing in common, and that was the absence of voices. When we limit the inputs and the volume around us, we can tune into a deeper awareness of what's going on within ourselves, and finding that quiet. It is rare and it's valuable so we need to seize it and make time for it and space for it I mentioned this in my podcast on imposter syndrome but I've recently started going floating <laughs> going to a float take once a month and I am really enjoying that practice and I think part of it is like yes it feels amazing to just like be, Floating there, but I think part of it is like how often do we relax and sit, or in this case, lie down for an hour with no outside stimulation? It's pitch black. There's no sound. You could play music, relaxing music if you wanted to, but I choose to just do it in silence. And it's almost kind of cleanse of all of the pings and notifications and people emailing me for crap and asking me to do shit. It's just me in there and my thoughts. And I kind of go back and forth between like thinking about, you know, the future and things I need to do and goal setting and blah blah blah. And also just trying to be totally present and still and not worrying about things. And I mean, I'll tell you, the hour goes by pretty quickly. So that's something that I've been doing for seeking out stillness and quietness. The next section on quieting the mind is on finding confidence, but avoiding ego. So Holliday says, confident people know what matters. They know when to ignore other people's opinions. Confidence is the freedom to set your own standards and unshackle yourself from the need to prove yourself. Ego, on the other hand, is unsettled by doubts. It's afflicted by hubris, and it's exposed by its own bragging and posturing, and yet it won't probe itself or allow itself to be probed because it knows what might be found. So at this point, he goes back to the Kennedy example and how he learned that he can count on himself and he could get through it if he kept his head, if he kept still and reflective. And this reminded me of last year, maybe around the summer, I was having a call, a chat with some of the ladies in my mastermind group. And one thing that had been on my mind lately was, okay, I'm working on different parts of my business. I'm really focused on increasing my traffic so that I am generating more revenue through ads and affiliate links. I'm super focused on SEO, but what if in a few years ads look different? What if it's not worth the time and energy that I'm putting into it right now? Like what if this isn't a good long-term strategy? And one of the women in the group asked me like, well, you've pivoted your business before. You've taken risks before. You've done challenging things before. So at this point, Do you know that you can count on yourself? You can bet on yourself. And if things, if the landscape looks different in a few years from now, you will figure something else out and, you know, continue onward and upward. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a really good way to look at it because it's true. So I liked that perspective on having the confidence to bet on yourself and know that you can figure it out. So as we wrap up the section about the mind, Holiday goes on to talk about how the stakes of what we're trying to do here are too high to allow ourselves to just be driven crazy by the chatter of the news, the noise of the crowd, and just the general chaos of our modern world. And the insights... That we're looking for are very deeply within us but they're rarely obvious so we need to look deeply in order to perceive what others aren't able to see so we do these things we ignore the noise we zero in on what's essential we sit with being present we journal we empty our minds and then for brief moments we will be able to get there and when we're there we're able to find ourselves capable of things that we didn't know were possible like superior performance awesome clarity, profound happiness, but that stillness is often fleeting. So why is that? Well, it's because there are so many disturbances everywhere, and that's just the nature of our lives. It's not just the expected disturbances from the outside world, but also inside us. So he quotes Lu Cha, I think it's pronounced Cha- it's, you know, T Z U, the Chinese philosopher. Sorry, guys, I'm not a philosopher. I just dabble in reading quotes from them. <laughs> but he quotes Liu Cha and he says the mind tends towards stillness, but it's opposed by craving. I really liked that quote, like wants that stillness and tends toward it, but we have all of these cravings that kind of take us out of that. So we might find stillness for a moment, but then we're back out dealing with our normal everyday lives and old routines being pulled in a million different directions. And it's like that experience never happened. And we're not looking for just a flash of stillness here and there. We want to try and consistently find that focus in wisdom and be able to call upon it when we're in difficult situations, which is going to require some. More reflection and internal work and working on the mind spirit and body so let's move into spirit the beginning of part two which focuses on the spirit starts with a quote from epictetus he is an ancient greek philosopher and the quote is most of us would be seized by fear if our bodies went numb and would do everything possible to avoid it yet we take no interest at all in the numbing of our own souls i was like damn, damn, Epictetus, why you got to do me like that? I was like, oh, that hits. Like, that is just so, so true. So in this first section of The Soul, Holiday gives us another example in the form of Tiger Woods. He gives a lot of different examples, like everything from ancient figures to political figures to, you know, people like Tiger Woods. And like I said, I'm not involving all of them in this Cliff Notes version. I'm really just pulling out a few of them because Frankly, I don't find the examples as helpful. I'm more like give me the kind of tangible tips. But this one I thought was a good example. So here was somebody that his mind was strong. I mean, he was the best at at his sport, at golf, but his soul, not so much. He had a tragic relationship with his father. He pretty much missed out on a childhood because his father was so tough on him. And we all know the rest of the drama that became his life with his affair and his wife chasing him out of the house and beating his car with his own golf clubs. And then he went to sex rehab. So Holiday goes on to say, everyone has a hungry heart. We all strive for more, or most of us do, but how we choose to feed that hungry matters and it determines what kind of person will be what we're willing to do or not do you know shady or not shady things and whether we'll ever be truly satisfied so if our soul is always in Aching for more of this or more of that. How can we expect to be happy? How can we expect to be fulfilled, content, or still? So, in this section on the soul, we're aiming to develop a strong moral compass, practice gratitude and appreciation. And I loved this one understand that there will never be, quote, enough, and that the unchecked pursuit of more ends only in bankruptcy. I think he means bankruptcy of like the soul or moral bankruptcy. This episode is brought to you by Flodesk. Flowdesk is an incredible email marketing service provider, and they are the platform that I use for my email campaigns for What the Fab. The platform is so intuitive and easy to use, it's very drag and drop. And best of all, it's aesthetic AF. The templates are beautiful, and you can easily add your own brand colors to it to make sure that your emails look and feel like you. I used to use MailChimp back in the day, but after trying Flowdesk out about a year ago, I was in love, and I know you will be too. You can give Flowdesk a try for 30 days free, and if you want to keep them, which I know you will, you can use my referral link to lock in a 50% off price at $19 a month and lock that in forever. You can get this offer and try it for free at whatthefab.com slash Flowdesk, and that is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. That's whatthefab.com slash flowdesk. I can't wait to see what stunning emails you create. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Anyway, so let's get into some of these chapters about how we can feed and nourish the soul. So the first one is choose virtue. So As we get into actions, we can take to tend to our soul and this chapter on choose virtue. I'll be honest, my eyes kind of glazed over (laughs) at first, I think just because of the word virtue, it just sounds so self-righteous to me. And I just kind of had an immediate aversion to it. But there were a few good nuggets in there that I wanted to share. Holiday says we need to sit down and examine ourselves. What do we stand for? What do we believe to be essential and important? What are we really living for? deep in our soul we know the answer the problem is that life is so busy and the realities of pursuing a career comes between us and that self knowledge and he goes on to say that from virtue comes good decisions and happiness and peace so it comes from the soul the soul directs the mind and the body on the actions that they take and sure there's no question it's possible to get ahead in life by lying and cheating and generally being awful to other people and while that might be a quick way to the top it comes at the expense of your soul like not only your self-respect but your security too and also just as a side note is it just me or are all the shows on hulu and apple tv and netflix about con artists right now like it's so funny to me how trendy that is there was the anna delvey one and then the dropout with elizabeth holmes the tinder swindler now we're watching the one about WeWork. we crashed but i mean when we were watching the dropout about elizabeth holmes you kind of you know, see how she goes from this one, like, kind of, not really a white lie, maybe like a gray area, to just full-on, like, con artist, swindling everybody, saying whatever she can say to do whatever it takes for like the end goal of her company to be successful and all I could think was like oh my god like the tangled web we weave like how did she I mean I think she was a sociopath to be honest to kind of hint at like she didn't feel things but I would not be able to sleep at night because I would just feel this insane amount of pressure of like all the different ways that this was going to go wrong and it's pretty shocking how long she kept that that whole farce up for but still I mean, I just like, it gives me a pit in my stomach even thinking about it. But anyways, so each of us has to create our own moral code and higher standard that we hold ourselves to. What's important to me? How am I going to live and why? And I think that also aligns with, you know, whatever you're doing with your career. If you are an entrepreneur, like... Your job, your business, it has to align with what's important to you and how you want to live, otherwise you're going to be totally in alignment, your why isn't going to match up, and you're just going to have this internal struggle and you're never going to feel aligned. The next chapter is called Beware Desire, (laughs) and it talks a lot about lusting over things and lust being a destroyer of peace in our lives, which I'll be honest, the wording sounds a bit religious to me and it sounded like very Old Testament-y <laughs> just because like lust is one of the sins. But he does get into examples in the form of envy, which I actually think is really relatable in this day and age with social media. And he talks about how envy is this endless loop where we envy someone who is envying someone else. <laughs> so how can we be at peace? And I just thought that was so true and such a good perspective. Like literally whoever you're envying is or has envied someone else for something else and it's just kind of this endless cycle and just to go off on a slight tangent here what you're envying on social isn't always real or you don't have the full picture. I have seen myself like I know a blogger I'll hear her say things to other people like oh yeah my husband works for me he works for the blog for the company and it sounds very impressive right that she is doing this as her full-time business and her husband quote works for her. What people don't know behind the scenes is that he doesn't really do very much for her. He like helps take some photos and that's about it. And they live in, they live with her in-laws. Like they don't have their own place. They, you know, live with his parents. I think that if you knew that full picture, that definitely, like that. there's nothing to envy there. But you don't know that whole picture and it comes across as very enviable. And I'm not saying that people, content creators on Instagram are all full of shit, but I am saying that you don't have the full picture. And- that there are probably things about your life that someone who you are envying would also envy, if that makes sense. You know, maybe you have a beautiful family and kids and that person that you're envying is having fertility issues and fertility issues. Like you, you just never know what is going on with someone. And that is something that I try to remind myself whenever I start to feel envy. And we'll talk about what else I do to kind of deal with envy in just a second. But the key takeaway here from this chapter was not like, We all need to become Puritans and have no desire for anything, but more to realize how much pull desire can have over us. When you think about the times when you feel your best, it's not when you're pining away for something else. It's not even when you get the thing you've been pining for because... That oftentimes has a tinge of disappointment, or it only lasts for a brief moment, and then you're off pining for the next thing. So for me, what has helped me not feel envy as much is practicing gratitude and having an abundant mindset. I think gratitude journaling, and I know it's something that is kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, but it does help. And it's something that I do when I'm journaling every single day. And then just practicing reframing things and having an abundant mindset, really like that shift in perspective can be really helpful. I think that If you see, I mean, I feel envy when I see a travel blogger that got an incredible opportunity to like, I don't know, fly around the world with this airline and fly business class. I'm like, I want that. If I can reframe that as, wow, that is so cool that that airline values content creators and influencers enough to create an opportunity like that, that's something that I want that's something I want to work towards and it's amazing that that is something that is even an opportunity in this space just reframing it that way really helps me keep a positive perspective on it. The other thing that helps me is limiting the amount of time and content that I consume on Instagram. And I know that's kind of a weird thing for me to say as a content creator, but really it has helped me. Like I don't just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll because I can feel myself getting into kind of a negative mood or envious mindset when I'm doing that. So That's something that I have been working on and I'm much more intentional with how I use Instagram now. And this leads into the next chapter, which is titled Enough. And we've touched on this a little bit, but here is where he dives deeper into this reflection of like existential crisis. The meaningless consumption most of us engage in and more ambition and the delusion that doing more and more of the same thing will bring different results. I mean, it's enough to like, Drive you crazy. And it's kind of a double edged sword because no one achieves anything without a desire to do better and improve. But that constant need for striving is often at odds with our happiness. The need for progress can be the enemy of actually enjoying the process. You're never going to find stillness if you can't appreciate things as they are right now. So, I'm really, really trying to work on this. I'm a very goal-oriented, achievement-oriented person. And in many ways, it's served me well, but it does mean that it makes it hard for me to feel content where I'm at. It makes it hard to feel satisfied. And so the way that I am trying to combat this is to focus more on enjoying the process and how can I enjoy the process and inject more day into my day-to-day. Like my regular ass kind of, you know, boring, sometimes administrative work days and enjoying the process, thinking about what I'm learning from it, finding ways to kind of mix things up has really been helpful for me so like you know getting together with other women female entrepreneurs brainstorming like that gets my juices going even just going outside for lunch is like nice and breaks up my workday. or working outside it's just a nice change of pace going for a walk in the workday, like just breaking things up so i'm not just staring and sitting at my desk all day holiday compares it to this like this need for more he compares it to a hydra monster so you cross one thing off your to-do list and two more grow in its place and another quote from lao cha that i liked he says when you realize there's nothing lacking the whole world belongs to you i loved that and then there was another quote that i really liked from a gentleman named thomas Traherne. i didn't know who he was i had to google him he is or was an english poet And he said, to have blessings and prize them is to be in heaven. To have them and not prize them is to be in hell. And to not prize them and not have them is to be in hell. So I liked that because it's like, okay, you have all these blessings around them and you value them. And that is what creates this positive mindset and happiness and fulfill them. If you have them and you don't prize and value them, then you're gonna feel like you're in hell. I really liked that quote. So Holiday writes, "If you believe there is ever some point where you feel like you've made it, when you'll finally be good, you are in for an unpleasant surprise." Here's the mindfuck, though. I, I I read that and I was like, "Hmm hmm." But I think we've all experienced this by now. Like we know this. We know that. We have a goal in mind, we reach it, we celebrate for a day, and then there's just another goal that we have. But for whatever reason, we, or at least I, and maybe you can relate, we still do this to ourselves. Like, I'll be happy when. And I'm really trying to work on this, but it's hard, y'all. If any of you have tips about this, like, please let me know. I also started this one you will never feel okay by way of external accomplishments. Enough comes from inside. It comes from seeing what you already have, what you've always had. If a person can do that, they are richer than any billionaire. So I mentioned this in my conversation with Ellen Yin. I believe it was episode 42. And we got on this topic of like enough and with our quarterly income reports like something that you would have been so excited about to hit that target or number a few years ago like now you've blown way past that and so your bar has changed and I talked about how when I left Google I thought if I can just make 100k I'll be good and now I'm like if I can get my course to be successful and have that be an additional 100K revenue stream or 200K, then I'll be good. Like So I am trying to enjoy the process too and I'm trying to work on that and also just take time to feel happy and fulfilled and content with where I'm at. It's like that meme or, you know, quote on Instagram that's like, you're living the life that the you from five years ago prayed for. Like, I mean, it's it's true. Like, look around, take stock and appreciate it. And that's what I'm trying to work on more. So think about what do you want more of in life? Like, that's the question. It's not accomplishments. For me, it's freedom, presence, clarity, joy, more space and stillness. And I think we think, or again, I think sometimes that money is going to give us those things. Like if I have more money, I'll have more freedom. I'll have more space and time and clarity because I'll be able to, you know, only work certain days or xyz like whatever reasons i'm telling myself but really it's about cultivating those things right now like there's no reason that i can't work on cultivating those right now all right the next chapter for feeding the soul is about being in nature and appreciating the small things so he talks about forest bathing which is a japanese concept of surrounding yourself with nature in the woods and he just talks about how therapeutic that is. And while we can't always be at the beach or looking out over epic canyon views all the time, we can cultivate the ability to see beauty everywhere in little things. This was something that my father-in-law was really, really good at. He passed away a few years ago from cancer, but he really just saw the beauty and talked about and admired the little things, especially in nature. But it could be something as small as like the way that a fountain was built and like the babbling sound of it. And he would mention like how relaxing it was and how the architect had to do X, Y, Z. You know, he would really focus on those Small positive things and like have major appreciation for them. So, the advice here is first of all, get outside, like, go for a walk, ride a bike sit in your backyard and just appreciate the small things. I mentioned how I've been trying to get outside more and work outside more to just kind of break up my day and also enjoy like put more joy and enjoyment into the process of the work that I'm doing. And I was just outside earlier today working on prepping my notes for this podcast and (laughs) I stepped outside and I heard this like rustling in the bushes and out popped a mama quail and her baby quails (laughs) and it was like the most delightful thing ever they were so freaking cute I just think Omid and I have this joke about like how much I love quails because I just think they're so silly looking with their little like head things and I can't tell you how much joy it brought me to just like see this mama quail and her little babies and watch them like walk across my backyard and fly off it was just like so funny to me but if I had been stuck in my office all day and forgot to I mean because it's easy right you get tied to your desk and your laptop and you kind of forget to remove yourself from that space it's easy to just be in there all day then I wouldn't have seen the cute quails and like it really made me laugh and like brought some joy to my work day and my afternoon so get outside, change up your routine and appreciate the little things and look for things to appreciate. This episode is brought to you by Tailwind. If you're a blogger or you have any type of website and you want to drive traffic to it through Pinterest, you need Tailwind. It's a social media scheduling tool that gets real results in less time. You know I am all about that. I use it to schedule all of my pins and you can sit down, take 30 minutes and schedule your pins for the entire week and Tailwind will automatically push them live throughout the week at the optimum times when your followers are the most active. The other thing that's amazing about Tailwind is the community feature through tribes, so you share your pins in other like-minded tribes or groups and you all repin each other's pins giving everyone's content a huge boost. It's the epitome of rising tides raise all ships. I've seen my website traffic from Pinterest go from a few thousand visitors a month to tens of thousands of hits just from Pinterest alone and this really began to climb when I started using Tailwind. You can also use it to schedule your Instagram posts again. I am all about time batching for max efficiency so you can just sit down take an hour and schedule all your instagram posts and tailwind will automatically push them live for you throughout the week you don't have to do anything beyond that you don't even have to open your phone up it's amazing so if you'd like to try tailwind for free i've got a referral link for you go to what tailwind for a free trial plus a 15 dollars credit if you do decide to hop on a paid plan in the future that's what the fab.com/tailwind and tailwind is spelled tail t a i l wind w i n d all right let's get back to the show the next soul chapter is on accepting a higher power. So this could be God and going to church. It could be Mother Earth. It could be destiny, the universe, like whatever higher power. Personally, I am agnostic, so I'm always a little resistant to this, but I do believe there are things beyond our comprehension working in the universe and there is a higher power. I don't give it a lot of thought, to be honest. And so this chapter kind of encouraged me to be a little bit more thoughtful towards this concept so holiday poses this question that really struck me if we told a zen buddhist from japan in the 12th century in the future everyone could count on greater wealth and longer lives but that in most cases there would be a feeling of utter purposelessness and dissatisfaction and burnout i'm adding that burnout part to the quote do you think they would want to trade places with us I read that and I was like, ooh, probably not. And when I think about the moments that I've felt the most spiritual, they all have to do with nature. So I mentioned swimming with dolphins earlier, seeing the northern lights in Iceland, that was like so, so spiritual. Another example in Maui was seeing a mama humpback whale and her baby underwater that was freaking spiritual to me so I think tuning into that spiritual side of yourself for some of us that's much more easy and accessible than others some of us go to church every Sunday and that's like where they feel the most spiritual and for others it might look totally different and if you have any suggestions for me I do have the book the untethered soul sitting on my nightstand I read it years ago and I I think I wasn't really ready for it or open to it because I kind of don't remember any takeaways from it. So I'm considering rereading that, but that is something that I could tap a little bit more into. So that was that. There are a few more chapters in the soul section on relationships, anger, the general oneness of everyone and everything in the planet. I encourage you to read the book to get into more of those topics. These ones were just kind of the ones that I had dog-eared and highlighted the most. And so let's move to the third part, which is focused on the body, which he calls the final domain in our journey to stillness. So in this third part of the book, we're going to talk about things like having a routine, getting active, spending time outdoors, seeking solitude, having a hobby. (laughs) I talked about this in my last episode in 44. I've realized I have no hobbies. Everything is tied to making money or bettering my business. you know, even when I go on a vacation, it's not really a vacation because I'm a travel blogger, so I'm shooting content for the blog. Anyways, we'll get more into that. Getting enough sleep and reigning in our workaholic tendencies. As they say, the body keeps score. If we don't take care of ourselves physically and aren't aligned, it doesn't matter how strong we are mentally or physically. So I am really feeling this right now. I don't usually work weekends or evenings. And actually, for most of the last year, year and a half, I've been taking Fridays off. I've been experimenting with a four-day work week. However, with everything that I'm working on for the launch of my SEO course, I've just been feeling a little bit behind the not not behind but I just feel like I have a lot that I want to do I am really excited and energized about it and so this weekend I worked on Saturday last night I worked until like ten thirty p.m. and you know what the body keeps score. <laughs> the body keeps score. And I am feeling it today. And I am definitely feeling like heavy and tired, which hopefully that's not coming across too much in this episode. I really try to record when I'm feeling like jazzed up and energized, but that's just where I'm at right now. So I think that this chapter on the body, you know, some of the things are boring, like it, get enough sleep like yeah duh. like we know that but there were some parts in this body section that I was like "Ooh, this is good and I really need to take note here so the first chapter in the body section is all about saying no which if you've been a podcast listener for a while you know I love this topic I have a whole episode titled the power of saying no it's episode six so like way 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 back in the early beginnings of this podcast if you haven't listened to it I think there's some really good tips in there, and saying no is frankly something that I've gotten pretty good at because I just think it's essential. It's the only way to prioritize your own life. You have to say no. So the general concept of this chapter is think about what you're really being asked to give when someone requests something of you, because... Usually it's a piece of your life, like whether it's your time, your expertise, what have you, and it's usually in exchange for something you don't want or need or nothing at all. So a few questions you can ask yourself here when something is asked of you. What is it? Why does it matter? Do I need or want it? What are the hidden costs? Will I look back in the distant future and be glad I did it? And this is my favorite. If I never knew about it at all, if the request was lost in the mail and they hadn't been able to pin me down and ask me, would I even notice that I missed out? Love that. Okay, the next chapter is about building a routine. And how certain routines, if done enough times and with sincerity, become a ritual. And when the body is busy with the familiar, then the mind can relax. So most people, when they wake up to face the day, they're faced with endless choices. What do I wear? What should I eat? What do I do first? What should I do after that? What work should I prioritize? It's freaking exhausting. So when we can automate the trivial parts of our life and also make good decisions be an automatic thing, we free up resources to do important and meaningful things and make space for stillness. So get your house in order, get your day scheduled, limit the interruptions and limit the number of choices that you need to make. It reminds me of like Steve Jobs wearing the same black turtleneck every single day. Like that choice of what to wear that day, boom, eliminated, done. Not that I'm Steve Jobs, but I definitely have noticed that probably the last year or so, I kind of have the same work from home uniform. And I think at some point during the pandemic, I was like, oh, I want to like dress cute. Like we don't go anywhere. I'm going to put on a fun dress. It's going to brighten my mood. And I did that for a little while. And then now I'm like, no, I'm just going to reach for like, The same combo of some kind of like loungewear pants and a comfortable t-shirt or tank top and like put my slippers on and throw my hair in a bun and get to work like I just don't really want to think about what I'm wearing and there are other ways that people do this in their morning or daily routines I know like some people have the exact same healthy breakfast every single day so they don't have to think about it they don't have to open up the fridge and be like What do I have? What can I make? Like, is this healthy? Like, oh, it's scrambled eggs and toast or avocado toast or whatever, you know, their thing is. So think about how you can incorporate that into your own life. The next chapter is titled Get Rid of Your Stuff. I was kind of surprised to see this topic in here, but I mean, it makes sense. I did a whole episode, number 32, on how to declutter your space for mental clarity with an organizing expert. And when I did that house clean out, I felt so freaking good. It took me several weekends, but it was absolutely worth it. And I think it's so true, like getting rid of clutter so you can free up more mental clarity and space is a real thing. So he ends this chapter with a quote that I was like, oh, damn, but I thought it was good. So he says, you were born free, free of stuff, free of burden. But since the first time they measured your tiny body for clothes, people have been foisting stuff upon you. And you've been adding links to the pile of chains yourself ever since. Damn. Damn. Okay. We're going to move on to the next section. It's all about seeking solitude and how it's difficult to understand yourself if you're never by yourself. So, Holiday shares the example of how twice a year Bill Gates takes a think week where he spends a week alone in a cabin to think, read, write memos to his team, and then he leaves that think week with so much clarity on what he wants to prioritize what he wants to assign to people. And he carries that stillness back to the complicated world. So this kind of reminds me of the concept, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, working in your business versus on your business so like for me that would look like working in your business would be doing all the day-to-day things I'm shooting content I'm working with brands I'm recording this podcast versus working on your business is thinking about the bigger picture and the strategy, it's taking those calls with my mastermind group and talking about vision and strategy and you know where I see the business going in five years, 10 years, and how I can start moving in that direction. And it's the same thing with working in your life versus on your life. In your life is the day-to-day things that you need to do, and on your life is the greater vision and strategy. So we have to schedule and cultivate these moments. You guys know at the beginning of the year I do a goal setting and visioning workbook with Omid and We talk about what do we want the next year to look like and how does that play into where we want to see ourselves in five years, in 10 years. So setting aside time to do that, I think is so important because we don't normally kind of take that step back and have those strategic conversations like internally with yourself or, you know, with your partner, whatever it is. And it's just, you know, we're so busy and caught up with our day-to-day lives. It's not something we really think about. The next chapter was about getting enough sleep. That was a boring one, so I'm not gonna talk about it. Like, just do it, get enough sleep. It's important. And then the next one is about hobbies. You guys, I need a freaking hobby. (laughs) He talks about how important leisure and time away from work is, and how you can't do it for pay, you can't do it to impress people, you have to do it for you. And while we don't want our leisure to become work, we do have to work to make time for it. Sometimes it's harder to be away from your job than just working in it. And I totally feel that. So, you know, if Winston Churchill, he, one of the examples in this chapter that he talks about, if he can make time for hobbies, so can I. So I am I'm kind of nervous to say this. I don't know why. I guess because if I say it out loud, then it's like I'm accountable and I have to do it. I am going to sign up for a book club. That is one of the nerdier things I've said on this podcast, but I think it'll be really good for me because I enjoy reading, but I tend to gravitate towards books that are business-oriented and related. And I found a book club in Napa. It's a feminist book club. So the assigned readings are, you know, related to that topic. So, you know, something different than what I normally would read and it's not for work. I mean, who knows? I could end up doing a podcast Cliff Notes version on one of those books, but it's not directly tied to monetization and to work, and I think it'll just be nice to meet more people in Napa because we moved here during the pandemic, and frankly, like, all of our neighbors are pretty old. Like we haven't really met people here. So I think that'll be nice. So think about what's a hobby that you could incorporate into your life. I'm going to challenge you to do this with me. It doesn't have to be a book club. It could be something totally different. But what action are you going to take here? Let me know. Maybe screenshot this episode and tag me. I'm at WTFab and let me know what are you going to do to incorporate a new hobby into your life? Because the more I chat about it with people, the more I realize I'm not the only one that like can't name a hobby. Like we're just so busy. And like I said, it's something that we have to intentionally make time for. Okay, this next chapter is titled Beware Escapism, and the whole thing is basically about how traveling and taking vacations is great, but you can't just flee or escape your problems that exist in your mind and soul, and I felt personally attacked, (laughs) but whatever the escape is, literally leaving your home and traveling or a drug or alcohol, you're just delaying dealing with looking within and that peace that you're seeking is only going to come when you do that work to probe yourself with self-awareness and patience which can't happen if you or i are constantly jetting off to your next location and planning your next trip or even just packing your schedule with every activity you can think of so you stay busy and you're never alone. I feel like people are so afraid to be alone and still because it's uncomfortable. Like we're not used to it. We're used to the information overload and always being with people, maybe not as much during the pandemic, but still like we're used to being accessible and having conversations, whether it's on our screens or in person, all the time. And there's all this other inner work that we can and should be doing and reflection and insights that we can get from being still and quiet and looking inward. So that's the book, you guys. It's He kind of wraps it all up. He talks about how the mental, spiritual, and physical domains are like these three legs on a stool and we need to tend each one in order to achieve that presence and that stillness. So I hope you enjoyed this Cliff Notes version of Stillness is the key. Like I said, I will link to the book in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing and get a little bit more into the details. But I hope that it was helpful for you and I know that I'm definitely taking some of the lessons and and key takeaways from this book and applying it to my life, like having a new hobby, joining the book club, like there were so many good nuggets in there and kind of perspective changes for me. That I found really valuable so I hope that you did too if you enjoyed this episode I would love it if you could subscribe you can hit subscribe through whatever platform you're listening through and that way these weekly episodes will get all queued up for you I mentioned a bunch of other kind of related episodes that you can go through that kind of support and pertain to this topic And again, if you enjoyed it, I would love it if you could share it. You could text it to a friend that may be experiencing burnout and needing some stillness in their life as well. You could take a screenshot, share it on your Insta stories and tag me. I would appreciate that so, so much. And if you have any other thoughts or reactions, slide in my DMs. I'm always happy to chat about these episodes or past ones. I'm pretty much an open book, but until next time, I'll catch you next week. Thank you.